Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, Dave. Oh, yeah. Can you hear me? Hi. Can you hear me? Aaron. How long have you been waiting? Not too long. Let me uh, turn yeah, the I was doing up. some stuff here, and uh, okay. it wasn't looking. <laughs> well, Jamal was asking earlier. And, really? Uh, oh, so, well. <laughs> Sorry, Jamal. And uh, I was in a, I'm sort of on a type conversation with uh, some Oh, so I interrupted here. you now. I can go away and put the tape on another recording. Um, well, no, the, the conversation's about um, why Alan Watts was highly, might have been highly developed in a certain particular line of spiritual advancement, but uh, he certainly had some personal issues that he hadn't fully uh processed and developed so but that's sort you know of seems anybody to be, who that doesn't apply to right that's 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 exactly right <laughs> because all these lines of development operate independently and uh emotional and and ethical and sexual and physical uh, all of these lines don't necessarily correlate You can develop very highly in one line, but not very highly well, in but, others. Yeah, but who is this you that you keep referring to that's going to do this? Well, okay, if you want to, you want to get into that because that's well, one but of, I mean, one that's of, the whole issue, isn't it? Well, that's I mean, one, isn't that the issue? Is who the hell do you think you are? That's that. That's one of your perennial hobby horses. So, well, but I mean, that, wanna... I would say, but, but, but let me ask you, I mean, what is the central concept of enlightenment? Who are you? <laughs> there, you have to make the distinction between the absolute realm and the relative realm. And in the you? absolute realm... Everything you're talking about is absolutely right. It's there is no self. It's all one. There, it's all all that we're existing in. But I have in no is experience of any absolute realm. The concept absolute realm is just that. Words absolute realm, a theory, part of a theory built in language. What the hell does the absolute realm even mean, other than a certain way of talking? And then in the relative realm, we, we, we do have these bodies and which have needs of food, shelter, and clothing, and, and all the physical needs that we have. And there's sort of a balance between the two, not to go too far into I'm only believing. I'm not sure believing. there are two, though. That's what I'm saying. This concept of these realms is a distinction that exists, as far as I can see, only, where, only in the domain of language. 
There aren't two domains. There are two different ways of talking. But they're, they're not two realities in that sense. They have, I mean, they're just different ways of talking. I think maybe I'm wrong. So, <laughs> so you would, so you would recommend that people just open their experience more to what exactly? Well, I would say people should learn how to talk in a less stupid way. That's what I would say. I don't and, use, yeah, go ahead. And that would uh, gain get people to understand that they are not their their consciousness, their awareness, their language machine. Well, something like that. I get, uh, you know, I'm not really happy with any of the ways anybody else or I have found to talk about these things yet. I mean, I'm still struggling with this. I think most of the language around most of this stuff is bullshit. But fundamentally, the idea is to not be identified with the consciousness, the awareness. The well, I would no, I would say that's what I'm interested in. My work involves breaking identification with the voice. That seems like a good idea to me. But that's just my little hobby horse. <laughs> <laughs> but I like right, it. But- Right, but the the goal, if there can be said to be a goal, is to have break that identification. Well, a and, goal, yeah. I don't know about the goal, but and what that does is then make well, a see, person. Well, I would have to say that there's really no point in the whole thing. I mean, actually, you could live the most unenlightened, painful, stupid, unconscious, and malicious life, and in some sense. That's as valid as Mother Teresa. It's all experience for Bob. And Bob mm-hmm. apparently is having a good time pretending that he's all these unhappy, miserable, dangerous, malicious assholes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And who the hell sure. am I to tell Bob that he can't play that game? Sure. Well, I've heard, I've heard a lot of people say that. Bo Lozov says, yeah, the, the, the rapist and the murderer is every bit as saved as Mother Teresa is. That's, that's absolutely yeah, true. It's all, it's all Bob. You know, it's Bob playing his little game and getting his rocks off, pretending to be a limited being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And after the show, they all go outside and have a cigarette together. I would say that the most of the uh, great traditions of mankind have always said that there's a progression to in, in the cosmos that we are ascending uh, towards mm-hmm. something. Yeah, that's a fine way of looking at things. I think that's a, a really good map. I just don't think that's the only true explanation for things. It's just one way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. And a useful way, too. Again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I think think about it that way a lot of the time. Hmm. Well, see, my whole thing is to see what can actually help people. 
and and if it's if a philosophy can improve people's improve lives, people happiness, how, help people how I'll make them happier. Well, uh, sure. Heroin's pretty good at that. <laughs> uh, well, uh, that's a false happiness. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. You want them to have real happiness, not not merely false happiness. Well, uh, it, it, it's uh, it's short term. How do you happiness. tell the difference? I would say you look at it from a perspective of mind, body, and spirit. And what heroin would do is eventually uh, damage your body, and so that's, that's not true. That's, that's simply not true. That's our culture that has trained people how to misuse drugs. I know people that use heroin. Well, I don't know them now. I haven't met them. I haven't seen them for many years. But people who use heroin intelligently, and it certainly didn't destroy them. <laughs> Uh well, uh, put me down as a skeptic on that one. Well, all I can do is I can tell. I know a married couple who took heroin uh, once a year on their mm-hmm. anniversary. They'd been doing it for like twenty years. This was about twenty years ago, so who knows? Uh-huh. <laughs> they well, do like like lots of things that amphetamines, if taken over you know a long period of time regularly, will in fact kill you. <laughs> you right, know? right. But that doesn't mean the uh, judicious application of drugs on occasion can't be very beneficial. Well, there's certainly no hard and fast rules to any of this. Um, you'd have to you'd have to apply intelligence to uh, to understand ah, what's correct. There you go. Yeah. So all you. these theories that, that say what something is or isn't, I would suggest, are guidelines, maybe, useful ways of thinking about these things once in a while. But ultimately, all you have to do is, well, all you have to do, at least what I'm trying to do is apply some sort of thinking, <laughs> whatever the hell that means, to situations in my life. Oh shit! I'm full of shit. You know what the hell do I know? I'm just sitting here trying to trying to figure stuff out. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, I go for yeah, yeah, mm, the 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 general uh, most likeliest to, to succeed uh, uh, processes and methods. Uh, sir, and then everybody can play with it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I do think you should be very, very, very wary of of things that are outside of that that realm. It's like a Venn diagram. The, the, there's the center in the middle. That's the most likeliest to be good for everybody. It, it certainly can uh, be altered and modified depending on uh, what. Uh, taste and influence and orientation, but uh, you know, I'm just I just give broad broad overviews of of what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think all these things are useful, and ultimately, you know, each individual is going to have to apply their own intelligence to whatever information they come across and make decisions about how they're going to live.
Yeah, and and I wouldn't automatically recommend that anybody uh, uh, take any any kind of intoxicants at all. Uh, well, many people shouldn't, obviously. I think right. it, it's quite possible that drugs like marijuana and some of the psychedelics could actually be quite useful in uh, breaking identification with the language machine. Most adults, it seems to me, are pretty much brain dead. They're pretty much absolutely stuck in their story. And I think uh, drugging might just, for adults anyway, uh, mm-hmm. shake them out of that. If they want to do that. Again, that may, a lot of people apparently don't want to do that and are right. quite content, apparently, to be human beings and, you know, with all human little problems and foibles and attitudes and personalities and all that stuff, and they seem to think that's just really cool. <laughs> you know? So, you know, obviously, it, this isn't for most people anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you, you are right. Uh, it, when it gets right down to it, we really don't know what uh, advances people? What causes people to grow? We, we, we're we just starting to do research. Well, yeah, that's, a, that's why I keep saying is I, I'm really expecting a kind of technology of consciousness to emerge over the next 30 to 50 years. You know, the, the analogy being electricity in 1800. You've heard me give that rap probably. <laughs> and I think that's a really good one. We are, you know, not there yet. We're still fumbling in the darkness. We've got we're beginning to get some clues. You know, there have been a lot of smart people around for thousands of years, and some of them have done some really interesting things. And, you know, and we've accumulated all these traditions and texts and ideas and things. And, um, and science is now really beginning to take a good hard look at some of this stuff. Yeah. You know, and uh, I'm I'm encouraged. You know, I yeah. think that basically philosophy and and uh, self help stuff and all this new age crap will just be something that just dies away in the face of the technology of consciousness. <laughs> hmm. You know, they'll just be non issues. You know, you don't you don't need a priest. You want to change your mind, so change it. You don't like the way you think? Change it. You want to change something? Well, change it. Do it. Do whatever you want. Okay. But we're a ways away from that still. Yeah, that's the, that's the, just what I was about to say. I, I'm always confused when you talk about things like that, about what time frame you're talking about. And, well, I'm talking 30 to 50 years, probably. Really? Okay. Maybe le- Yeah, maybe less. I don't know. I mean, again, you know, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I, I keep thinking right. what it would be like to raise a generation of children that at least weren't as brain damaged as I am. You know, a whole a generation of children who I mean, nothing more than simply were not uh, hampered by the the stupidities of English that get in the way of most people's thinking. In some sense, I think those. I mean, they that's not much. I mean, there's no positive new thing added. It's just eliminating some of the obstacles. But I just keep, I, you know, I just have this idea that uh, a generation of children raised without these obstacles would be like supermen and girls <laughs> somehow. You know, they, they, 
they wouldn't they'd, they wouldn't be any smarter. They'd just be a whole lot less stupid and unconscious. Mm. And what what they could do with that. Uh, is beyond my comprehension, probably. Not probably, I'm sure it is. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I've had the experience at least once, and maybe more, where reality literally just outstripped my wildest imagination in a matter of a couple of years. Hmm. And that really had an impact on me. When I was in college as a music major, I was interested in electronic music. And at the time, the very first sort of uh, consumer uh, synthesizer was out. It was called the ARP 2600. We had a couple of them at the university. And they were really fun to play with. And I could see that they would develop, that this was, you know, the first thing, and it was fun, and you could do a lot of good stuff with it. But, I mean, I had ideas in my head that I was imagining, you know, what it would really take to get the kind of equipment that I needed to do what I wanted to do. And I had this sort of image, and I thought, you know, that's never going to happen. <laughs> you know, that's just, <laughs> that just ain't going to happen. And within five years, well, not five years, but within 10 years, I finally gave up on electronic music. But uh, within 10 years, what was available to anybody was so far beyond my wildest imaginings for what I wanted that, you know, I mean, I look at, I still look at that. It's just in absolute wonder at, at how limited my imagination was. <laughs> And the same with computers. I remember when I got my first computer and and how exciting it was and thinking, boy, it would sure be nice if, uh, you know, if this or that could happen. And, uh, you know, and I look at the computer that I'm talking into right now and, and it's just, you know, it's just in a different universe than the first one I had. I couldn't even imagine the kind of stuff that I can do with this at that time. So yeah, that's but, why I think in the future, you know, like I say, in, in the not distant future, that this technology of consciousness will emerge, and it's almost silly to speculate about what that might mean. Hmm. Well, a lot a lot of that depends on how well we understand the nature of uh, consciousness and how the brain operates. Yeah. Well, and like you know, it's beginning to you know there are some things that are beginning to show up. We're beginning to understand the brain anyway, at least that much of it. And um, you know, it's a good start. You know, personally, speaking personally, I'm I'm not particularly that interested in in uploading my consciousness and dropping the body. Uh huh. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, a lot of people aren't. It's not crucial to me. I think it would be fun. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately, in the long run, I think that is probably the future. That is the way it's going to go. But, um, well, you know, I don't know. It's just this whole idea of self again. I mean, the self, is the self really bound to a body? I mean, everything in the Eastern tradition says no. Well, and even in Western tradition with its concept of the soul and everything, which I don't find particularly useful, but, uh, yeah. you know, even that says, you know, who needs the monkey? <laughs> you can go to heaven and leave your monkey behind. Mm. I just, I just wonder how... Mm therapeutically useful it is to continually keep reminding people that there's no self. It doesn't seem to actually be useful if if you were dealing with somebody who had a very serious psychological issue that they were oh, seeing. Yeah. A no, therapist. you wouldn't talk no, you have to talk to the individual at a level they can understand. Obviously. I don't just walk up to anybody I meet here in Starbucks and inform them that they don't exist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that that won't go very far. <laughs> okay, so so when I when I'm so when I'm talking about that people aren't developed very evenly through a variety of different lines of development. Yeah, I think that's useful. I think that actually oh, think helps so. describe Absolutely. what's yes, going I on. Yes, I agree with you. I have no quarrel. I, I use that line. Myself. It's just that when I'm talking to you, my objective is to negate any theory that anybody seems to believe, even right. if it's one I use. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah well, we we don't yeah, fall the first... to the to the fallacy of logicism. The fallacy of logicism is even though we come up with this great logical theory, it still does not necessarily mean the reality conforms to that. Well, reality, like I say, I, I, I really don't see any value in the concept of reality other than meaning merely what I experience moment by moment. The idea of some objective reality out there that has an independent existence of anybody's uh, perception or understanding of it strikes me as just useless. You know, it's like the ether or something. You know, it's just, who cares? There may or may not be such a reality. I don't know. I mean, obviously, but I mean, it, I, I just can't see that it makes one bit of difference whether there is or not. I'm still left with my experience, period. I sit here. I'm sitting in Starbucks on a wooden chair. I can feel it. I can hear the music. I can hear your voice. I can see what's going on and smell it and all that. And that's what I experience. The rest is okay. the story. Okay, then, then we then we have to establish some first principles or some ground assumptions or, or, or some phrase like that that I'm looking for as to what exactly we're we're trying to accomplish. For me, well, who's it's trying? About, oh, okay, you. What you're trying to accomplish? For me, it's for me, yeah. it's about helping people. Actually, helping people uh-huh. have a, a, a healthier, more stable, ah, more good okay. life. All right. Yeah. 
Oh, see, that's never been my objective. <laughs> my objective was to, uh, in the beginning, was to wake up, was to figure out who the hell I was and what was going on here. The hell with the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing, Dave, is you're just a nicer guy than I am. <laughs> you really are. You actually, I mean, I do care. I'm not trying to make the world a worse place. In fact, I think that if what I'm doing was became effective, that it actually would make the world maybe not a better place, but a more, the more of a place that I'd like to live in. Okay. Mm -hmm. I see. I hesitate to even say that I want to make the world a better place. It's more like an artistic kind of, I've got a vision of a kind of world that I'd like to live in. And, um, and I want to do something to bring that about. Now I happen to think that people would probably be happier or many people would be anyway, but, um, it's it's just because I happen I <laughs> happen to uh, have this vision of how it could be, and so there, you know. But it's like an artistic thing. If you're Beethoven, you come up with this da 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 theme, and then you work out all the implications. And why does it go da 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 instead of da 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 da? You know, well. That's the way it goes because that's the way Beethoven wanted it to go, and he thought that was a good theme and it'd be fun to develop it. Mm -hmm. So we have the Fifth Symphony. But it might as well have been something, it could have, yeah, well been something quite different, you know? Hmm. So I've got my vision. It's changing and developing and being articulated more clearly. I am working on that. Yeah. And it and it changes, you know. It's changed a lot over the years. It may change again. You know, I assume it will. Well, it is changing now. Every time I talk to you, my ideas change. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, yeah, certainly we all have to uh, find the area that we want to focus on. Mm. No, we don't all have. See, that's the thing is that, yeah, but again, right now, most people on the planet, I, I don't think even ever give any of these ideas we're talking about one moment of thought in their whole life. I mean, some people do, and then they realize that's really, you know, sort of unsettling, so they go turn the television on, and they're not bothered by these kinds of thoughts anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, but uh, I don't think everybody has to do anything. I think um, the universe is just what it is, you know, and most people are just, you know, it's like when you go to the movies, most people aren't critics. They don't go to the movies to try and understand how the director achieved his effects and stuff. They go in there to be scared or entertained or, you know, or whatever. And uh, they may probably not give a moment's thought to the concept of filmmaking. Few people go to the movies who are, you know, who always watch the DVD stuff about how the movies were made. And all the way through the movie, they're noticing uh, certain kinds of camera moves or this or that, you know. 
but that's a small percentage of people who go to the movies, I think. And I, I, that's not a bad analogy for, you know, people on a spiritual path, you know, or something like that. Well. And most people are here just, you know, for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> Right, but when you look at most people, you see there's a lot of real, authentic misery and suffering. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Bob apparently loves suffering. Yeah, you're right. The suffering is very real, no question about it. But you can really get the shit scared out of you in a movie, too. <laughs> people have died in movies. You know, had the shit scared out and had a heart attack and died. <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of like the the Bodhisattva's vow, which is to do what you can to alleviate suffering uh, in those around you sounds in the physical realm. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. Except to what I've discovered is apparently people are quite attached to their suffering. It's easy to stop suffering, you know, but uh, not very many people do it. They create their own <laughs> suffering. I mean, mostly. I mean, at least in California, in Iraq, it's quite different. That's a whole different kind of suffering that the people of Iraq or various places suffer. That's a systemic thing, though, and that well, they're all interrelated. I'm not much concerned with the suffering of people in California. You know, the the psychological misery that they create for themselves because their wife left them or their kids died or some terrible tragedy that befalls them. But, you know, when you see a culture destroyed by a war and realize that a lot of those people, you know, were just, you know, trying to get some water, you know, that's... Um, that's tragic. Well, even that's not tragic, I guess. I don't know if it is or not. It's all Bob, so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, if you accept that premise to begin with, that it's all Bob, uh, that, you know, that leads places that some people are very uncomfortable with. You know, it looks like a kind of, you know, callousness about suffering. Mm -hmm. and maybe it is I don't know although when I see suffering I'm moved to do something about it you know I mean if I see somebody who needs help in my environment well then I act to make that better but in the abstract suffering doesn't bother me nearly as much Right, part of the necessary component of enlightenment or advanced understanding or awareness is an opening of compassion for others. Yeah, but I think that, again, I think that demands presence, not just some theoretical talk about curing the suffering. I think what that really means is looking around at what's actually in front of you and responding to it 
compassionately. Because ultimately, the suffering is systemic in, in a lot, large part of ways. I mean, again, the language that we program our children with leads inevitably to uh, suffering. And the kinds of economic and political institutions that we've installed leads, it, it looks to me, inevitably to suffering. And those things, and, and the whole idea of changing the system is irrelevant unless the people themselves are changed. You change, put a new political system in order, but populate it with the same old language monkeys, you know, well, it's time. That's why I'm expecting the outbreak, an outbreak of enlightenment too. I think it's just time for that. There's, you know, the way humans have lived for the last thirty, forty thousand years has worked, sort of, up until very recently, and it just simply doesn't work anymore. We need a new species. <laughs> humans are simply, it looks to me, not capable of uh, creating a reasonable uh, planet, you know? Look what they've done. We've got some great ones. We've got Bach, you know, and, uh, well, there's a couple others. I can't think of any right now, but <laughs> there are some, you know, that almost justify the stupidity of most humans. But, and well, again, for me, it all gets back down to this apparent hypnosis by the language machine that most people seem to think, well, seem to believe everything they hear their language machine. Since they were children, if they're brought up and born in Saudi Arabia, then they become Muslims. Or if they're in Israel, they become Jews. Or if they're in America, they become Christians or atheists or Buddhists or whatever they become. And... Um, they actually think that's the way the world really is. So they're, they don't have any problem killing people who disagree with the way reality is, apparently. Mm -hmm. That may not be the, I mean, I know that's not the only way of looking at it, but it's, it's the way that, that I, you know, it's what I'm focusing on is breaking that. If that could be broken, if people actually understand that everything they think, all their theories and ideas are just their theories and ideas, and that actually they don't really know what's really going on, I, I think we'd have a whole lot less violence in the world. A little humility. Well, we'd have, to, we'd have to have a complete overhaul of the educational system in order to have that. Um, not necessarily at all. I mean, the educational system could be done away with. Well, I guess that's an, a complete overhaul. I mean, you know, when you talk about, again, I keep coming back to the uh, analogy of metamorphosis, when the caterpillar turns into a butterfly. Uh, some systems, you know, the idea of 
fixing the educational system so that it works. Uh, it's more rearranging the chairs on the Titanic as far as I can say. I think we're going to have to invent a whole new world. I don't think much of the caterpillar, I mean, there's some of the, you know, when you look at metamorphosis, there are some systems that go through the metamorphosis pretty much intact. The central nervous system is part of it. But even that's dramatically transformed. Most of the other systems literally dissolve and uh, entirely new systems come into being in that process. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's much hope to fix the old system. I'm not interested in fixing uh, the butterfly or making governments work better or make them more responsive or more democratic or this or that. I think the whole the whole system, top to bottom, is just, uh, there's no hope for it. There's no time, there's no point in even worrying about it anymore, except for the potential uh, disasters and suffering that it can cause. That's why I part company with most of the patriot groups. I share their disdain for the present order, but I don't share their ideas for what to do about it. You know, I mean, I agree. I mean, I've listened to a lot of these guys, and most of their analysis about the banking system and politics and geopolitical things and everything, I think it's fairly accurate. But I see that as just all symptoms of the caterpillar being, you know, disintegrating, and I don't have any hope of, of fixing that. I just let it go. You know, it's doomed. It's over for that. It's up to us to create something new. Yeah, but when when you talk like that, it's just uh, it doesn't seem like there's anything to be done about it. It'll, it'll, it'll either happen on its own or it won't. Uh, well, in some sense, that's true. There isn't anything to be done about it, except maybe uh, look to yourself, find out where your heart really is, and act with that. You know, and trust that uh, that what's true for you is um, going to contribute to uh, the, the formulation of the butterfly. And if you know, like that, I think my, I think just language, I think language is one of these important things. And I think if we got it squared away a little bit, that that would just help. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. It's not everything. You know, it's just one of many things that, you know, that need to be addressed in this period of great transition, but it's an important one, I think. And so, you know, I can act to try and rationalize the way people think with language. So I don't think that leaves me with nothing to do about it. I think I think uh, I can participate, you know, just like all the cells that make up the caterpillar. You know, many of the cells that make up the caterpillar never do have a function in the butterfly. They just die eventually, along with all the legs that propelled the caterpillar 
and that's the end of them. But new new ones are coming into being that that uh, you know perform a function for the butterfly. And um, those metaphors are really overarching for me. I mean, almost everything I think, in one way or another, comes down to this concept of metamorphosis, that what Earth is going through is a natural phenomenon for a a planet like Earth, and that it is developing healthily, going through these phase transitions, and we're part of it somehow. But we don't we certainly don't understand it very well. But then probably the cells that make up my brain don't understand me very well that I'm sitting in Starbucks having a conversation with Dave. You know? You All my little could... cells I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, you think you could uh, get uh like a presentation together and and give it to like some academic conference if you what wanted presentation? to well just to put your idea out into the oh I can, i've done that a, yeah i've done that yeah i can always do that's easy to do not that big I've, you know i've given a number of talks at various places I don't have much faith in that. I mean, I mean, actually, I'm getting. It, it, it have, well, as time progresses, I think that may be more useful. In the past, of course, I, I'm getting better at talking about it. In the past, I haven't been as effective a speaker as I'd like to be. I'm still not as effective as I'd like to be. But a large part of it has to do with uh, the effectiveness of the listeners. The vast majority of adults, I think, are like. Well, brain dead, I mean, to put it dramatically, it's not that they're stupid, it's just that they are um, absolutely committed to ways of thinking and conceiving of themselves that they are not about to change. And the stuff I'm talking about challenges that. I've given a, you know, a few talks in the last couple of years, and inevitably there are, well, actually nothing has come out of there. A few people come up after the talk. Well, actually, a lot of people think it's entertaining. The thing is, I'm not a bad public speaker. I can, I can get up on a stage for an hour and entertain people. <laughs> you know, that's not hard to do. But uh, even if they're entertained and their thought is provoked, Uh, at the end of the night they get in their cars and drive home and turn on the TV and uh, it was just an interesting full of sort of challenging interesting ideas but that's the end of it and I'm just really not all that interested in in playing that game anymore well the only other thing would be to unless they want to pay me a bunch of money to do it then I might do it (laughs) but Otherwise, yeah. I just don't think it's very effective. Well, the only other thing would be to get the article published in an academic journal. Oh, yeah, and that's the same. Well, again, I don't have anything against doing those things. I just, I, you know, I just don't think it, it's really going to make the kind of difference that I want to see made, you know. 
again, that's why I left academia to begin with. You know, I started looking around for graduate school in linguistics, and I couldn't find one that I could afford anyway. Well, again, I, yeah, I just had it with academia. When I left there, I mean, academics are really good at finding ways to justify not doing anything. <laughs> well, they're real good at talk and talk and talk and talk. But when it gets down to actually doing something, the vast majority of academics are very good at finding justification for not doing anything because it won't work or because of this or because of that or whatever is it just won't work. That used to just drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of what uh, Ken Wilbur has been finding out. He's been trying to get his uh, stuff together in academia for about 10 years now, and he's had very, very little traction. No, because, uh, yeah, but again, you know, out of the millions of people probably that know about his work, imagine there are millions of people who are aware of him, um, you know, who knows, 10 or 20 might actually have uh, woken up. He may or may not even know any of them. But still, that's a good record. I mean, anyone who gets anybody to wake up, I think, is doing pretty good work. So, but that's a lot of effort he's gone to over a long time. And again, I don't know what his statistics are. It'd be interesting to find out what he thinks they are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. These are. Uh, Big issues. Big. Yeah, it's it. Well, it's hard. It's hard if you don't have anything you can tell people to do. I mean, like everybody, every what people. What, when, tell, when you said tell people to do, what people? Tell what people to do. Because <laughs> you can go stop somebody in the street and tell them what to do. Well, it's somebody you're talking to who's interested in this. Well, again, uh, you can tell people all sorts of stuff, but how many of them actually do it? I've taught meditation techniques for years. I, I bet you, I don't know what the statistics are, but telling people, I finally got bored with telling people how to do it because they don't do it. It's just <laughs> more taught, you know? And if they want to do it, they don't need my instructions anyway. Hmm. You know, anyone who's seriously interested in finding out about reality, all they got to do is just shut up and look around seriously. Mm. That's why, again, I think Bob, you know, I don't think Bob wants to wake up right now. Not yet. I don't think it's bad enough yet. You know, it's, it's still, you know, as long as you can come home and turn on the TV, you know, why would anybody want to face reality? <laughs> But I am optimistic that, you know, as things proceed to deteriorate and life gets more unpredictable and dangerous, that a growing number of people will begin to be open to these kinds of things. And maybe very quickly, too. 
but it's just not there yet. The, the illusion of security is um, still too strong. Well, I guess it's kind of like the uh, the Kali Yuga proceeding into the uh, the next one. I'm not real familiar with those concepts. I mean, I'm vaguely familiar with them, but I don't know them. You're talking about the cycles of uh, and final destruction at the end of the epoch, and then the rebirth of a new world and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just the same idea, basically. Yeah. The Hindu same idea. Uh, Hindu uh, yuga cycles. Yeah. So you're using X-Lite, Dave, is that correct? Yes, and um, uh, somebody asked about the... Yeah, the I know, I was just looking. Yeah, that's why your sound, you said your sound is good. Iconoclast, how does my sound compare to Dave's, if you're still here? I'm curious. I, I, I bought a handheld microphone from Fry's. Uh-huh. I think, yeah, the microphone, I think, is a big, big part of it. So I, when you say a handheld mic, you mean it, you're actually holding yeah. a mic in your hand. Yeah, a, tradi- a traditional, <laughs> a traditional uh, like a rock star yeah. singer microphone. Yeah. yeah, okay. How much you pay for it? Oh, you can get some for like $10. I think this particular yeah. one, probably 25 yeah, okay. Yeah, a good microphone is crucial, absolutely. Yeah. It says Audio Technics on, on the label. Yeah. Well, how do I come through to you, Dave? Is my audio good to you? Uh, it, I can hear you fine. It's a, it's a little crackly and uh, distorted, but not really tragically so, no. No, I mean, I can... Usually, I when I ask for feedback, tell me people tell me that my audio is really good. So maybe I don't know whether I don't know why that is now. Why it's not that good? Interesting. Well, I can I can understand every word you're saying, but uh, well, no, it's, yeah. it's not crystalline clear. No, by any means, no. Okay, because yours is pretty good. Your sound is coming, and it usually does. Maybe it's my headset. Maybe I need to get a new one. Maybe they get old. I don't know. Oh, somebody did give me uh, like a clip-on mic. Just we clip it on, and I've experimented with it, but the fidelity is pretty bad with it. Yeah. Well, I may do a little experiment. I mean, I have I have a couple of actually very good studio mics, but they're a pain in the butt to use. I really like the headset just because it's simple, you know. I mean, having to hold a microphone right. just doesn't sound like something I want to do. I don't even want to be stuck with, you know, 
having to keep my head in a certain position on near the disc. How far are you from the mic when you're talking? Oh, from my mouth? Uh, yeah. Well, okay, this is me talking very close to it. This yeah. is me talking a little bit further away from it. What you, what, what's a little bit further away? Like a foot, maybe. Okay, and you, Okay. so that's further. Normally, you hold it about maybe six, eight inches or something? Uh, Yeah, my hand and the microphone is right around my belly button right now. Are you in your sitting though, right? I'm sitting, yeah. Okay, so I can. Then the mic is just a regular shaped mic. Was it maybe six inches, seven inches long? With a yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. yeah, just like you see a stand-up comedian holding. And, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's right around my hip bone right now. Still sounds all right. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good mic, and I'm just. Plugged it into the uh, input jack on the back of my soundboard. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to work fine. <laughs> if I had a laptop like you're using, I don't know how it would uh, come across. Probably the same uh, static and slight distortion. I don't think that's a function of the laptop. Mm. And it may have oh. to do with the fact that I'm sitting in Star, but it'd be interesting to see if, it, if you notice a difference. Of course, we're doing this in talk show too now. You know, not Skype to Skype or other possibilities. It's probably a little bit better than even on the telephone, actually. Or I hope so. God, the telephone is awful. <laughs> yeah, God, if it's not a whole lot better than the telephone, I'm a little surprised. Um, and but nobody has responded. Apparently, there are other people here, but they've all passed out and they're not. Uh, yeah, they're, in, they're interested to know what my audio connection is about, but uh, they, they're not connecting themselves. <laughs> Call in. <laughs> well, they, well, no, they haven't responded even in text. I, I've yeah. asked for somebody to respond about comparing your sound and my sound to see what other people are hearing, but nobody's responded to that, so I don't know why. Yeah, but even before the, the your... You start playing your your audio. They they uh, still uh, nobody nobody calls in to uh, to talk. Oh, I know that, that. Well, it happens once in a while. That's why I've had to resort to becoming a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's very different than the Skype days, Skypecast. Yeah, that's one of my big problems uh, with talk show is that, you know, you have to do something special to talk. You can't just, you know, you can't, you're not just automatically talk enabled. That, that oh, would right. really be nice. But, you know, it's not, so. Right. Well, I was having a conversation with the guest 15, and he, he sounds like somebody who would actually has, have a lot to say. Um, uh, we were talking about Alan Watts and uh, uh, he, he, uh, some of his comments were actually pretty funny. It'd be kind of yeah. nice to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he'll call in sometime. You know? I mean, who knows? Who knows who Guest 15 actually is? He may be somebody we've talked to before.
Uh, well, you got to you got to use your your judgment and make a judgment call on that. Oh, iconic just wrote in. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jason. Just, yeah. Yeah. He just said that they both. An iconoclast has written the word muffled, but that's a little vague as to what exactly that's referring to. Both of us, just me, you, what? I don't know. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta make your your best. So, Jason, you see no difference between uh, between Dave's sound and mine. If that's the case, then uh, it, it may have to do with the hearing that's going on. You know, I mean, uh, if whoever's listening may be hearing, okay, not really a difference, he says. Okay. So if somebody uh, is particularly impressed by your sound, it may be something on their end, maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Well, well I think everybody can make out both of us, so that that's that's what's good. That helps, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I see it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dave, um, mm-hmm. what else is on your mind? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, nothing really. I didn't have anything. I just wanted to uh, start audially contributing while I was I talking with, with Guest yeah. 15. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. It's, yeah. it's always good, you know, to have an actual conversation with somebody instead of being a disc jockey, you know. Mm-hmm. And that is why I come here. And so. <laughs> but it was fun playing Alan Watts. I may do that some more. I don't know. Well, Dave, listen, we've yeah. uh, gone over time, so if you got nothing more to say and nobody else has anything to say, then I think I'm going to shut it down. Eh? Okay. So okay. Uh, thanks a lot, Dave. Appreciate it. Sure. And um, we'll talk again soon. Good night, everybody. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.